Do you want more whiskey noobs in your life? Behind-the-scenes material, the ability to vote in polls that affect the course of the show, and even a list of every single whiskey that we've ever had on the show, along with my abbreviated thoughts on that whiskey? If so, you've got to go check out the Whiskey Noobs Patreon page. Financial support is a huge help in my ability to consistently bring you guys a quality show, so if you're interested, go check that out at the link in the show notes below or at patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a podcast about whiskey, but in a couple short weeks, we do have Cinco de Mayo coming up, and I thought a couple of my listeners may want to go out and get a bottle of tequila or mezcal in celebration. So I want you guys to be able to go into the liquor store educated on the topic. And for that reason, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Doug Price from the Agave Social Club podcast and talking about the similarities and differences between tequila and mezcal. He walks me through a tasting of a mezcal and four different tequila and I get to taste all of them and kind of compare to similarities and differences that I see with whiskey. One thing that I forgot to mention during the tasting was that the tequilas, especially the Reposado and the Añejo, were reminding me a little bit of like a rye whiskey. They have that herbal kind of kick to them, and I go a little bit more in-depth in the notes when I do the tasting. So if you decide to stick to whiskey, I certainly won't hold it against you, but if you want a bottle of tequila or mezcal for these next couple of warm spring weeks that we have ahead of us, then I hope you enjoy this interview that I got to have with Doug Price from the Agave Social Club. So I have here with me Doug Price from the Agave Social Club. Doug, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Even though you got way better weather and I'm jealous, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We, we've, we've got some great tequila and whiskey here, so so we're good. Yes, true that. Very true. The, the tequila will keep me warm even if it gets chilly up here in Ohio. Um, so, uh, as you were, you were just mentioning to me before we started here, I figured it's a great place to start. Um, what got you into the Agave Social Club? What is it and, and, and how'd you get into it? Yeah, so I, I love tequila, and I think tequila has a beautiful story to tell. A lot of times when I tell people I do a lot of work with tequila, they usually say, oh, no, I can't I can't do tequila or I had a bad experience. And the reality is most people, the experience that they've had in the past is poorly made mass-produced tequila. And so to be able to introduce really well-made tequila, great quality, I mean, there's a story here, there's a history, the people making this. And so I've always been drawn to it. I, I spent 12 years in the music industry out of Nashville. I, I used to build bars on tour buses. And I saw that, you know, alcohol when done right, it, it can create community. It can bring people together. You know, when it's done, not disrespecting it or over abusing it, it can create community. And so that was something that I always saw and went, okay, there's something here with alcohol. Again, when done, when done right and respecting it. Fast forward, I, I moved to Orlando, Florida. I, I have a kid, I get a day job, I'm out of the music industry. But tequila was always something that I, I enjoyed and, and wanted to continue to learn more about. Uh, before COVID, I, I wanted to do more tasting events. And, and so I, I did a tasting event. My, my thought was, could I get 10 guys in a room and we try some different tequilas? I had 18 guys come out and in between, I had multiple guys come up to me and say, 
this is unlike anything I've ever been to. If you ever do another tasting, uh, I'm in. And I thought, wow, there, there's something here. I would love to pursue more tasting events. Well, a few months later, COVID hits and no one's really getting together at, at all. And, and so I, I quickly pivoted to, to go, you know, what, how could I uh, focus this love of tequila? And, and there had been some other tequila podcasts out there. And, and I just felt I could bring something different to it. And so I started the show a few years ago and, you know, I've had the honor to really interview some of the best tequila producers. You know, I, I love going to Mexico. I love the people that I've met. And, and again, there's a story here that's so much more than take a shot and lick salt or lime and find something to chase it to sip tequila. Like today we're going to sip. Hopefully you're going to find, I sent you some samples. We're, we're going to sip some tequilas and hopefully you'll appreciate it just like you do the, the whiskey and bourbons. But, but there's a beautiful story there. So it's just inv- uh, evolved from there. You know, again, I, I love telling the story. Uh, I'm just a, a gringo from Florida that, that loves telling the story of, of Mexico and the amazing people that are behind these brands and that are making this delicious spirit. And tequila is booming right now. I mean, you, you probably see for the first time ever in the U.S., tequila will outsell every other spirit, which is pretty interesting. So that in itself is bringing some challenges and, and some exciting things for it. Uh, but man, I, I love tequila. You got you to gotta educate me on whiskey, but, but I love tequila. Yeah, I think that's going to be a little bit of fun is the back and forth. We can uh, we can teach each other a little something, but that that yeah. sounds fantastic. And I love the angle that you have when you when you summarize it that way. I love your angle that you you're focused on the community. You're not focused on necessarily the intoxication, the buzz, any of those things. Anybody no. who's been listening to my show for no. long enough. Even just um, my 100th episode, I think it was, I kind of redefined where we were headed. And that's a big part of it for me as well, is the community yeah. uh, admiring the art that that took so long for somebody to make for us um, and yep. not the intoxication side of things. So that's really exciting. Um, and I'm I'm glad to hear that that we align in that sort of a way. Now I have to ask, what is your? Um, I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. My experience with tequila is about what you described. <laughs> um, okay. I really enjoy like tequila mixed drinks, like not just for you know chugging or anything, but I like the taste of tequila. I have never really tried to sit down and do a tasting of neat, if you will, tequila. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm excited to do that. Um, but that's okay. about as far as it is, is for me has just been the, the taste of tequila in a drink. So how, yeah. how, what's your experience with whiskey? So my experience is, you know, I, I love a good old fashioned, uh, you know, back in the day I would have a Jack and Coke, uh, but just with tequila, I've got to believe that there are brands in your world that may not have the marketing dollars or the awareness as some of the bigger brands that are just as good, if not way better. And so to find those, so I'm, I've only really been exposed to in the whiskey world, the brands that you see everywhere, just as most people do with tequila. So, uh, you know, I, I've been able, we've got a great group here in Orlando, a, a great whiskey uh, society, and, and they do some charity stuff and, and they invited me to a dinner once and 
they brought out, you know, special stuff that I couldn't tell you what it was. And I felt bad even drinking it because I don't know if I would have appreciated it as well as someone else. Uh, but my, my background in it is, is very small. Again, te- tequila in mezcal is, is my lane. I know how it impacts my body. I know, I know how it affects me. And, and so that's, that's what I stick with. Uh, but there are a lot of crossovers. And so, you know, looking forward to diving deeper into it. Yes, absolutely. Cause it really, ironically enough, it's something that I was a bit ignorant to, especially when I first got into whiskey was that you can do a tequila tasting or a mezcal tasting the same way you can do a whiskey tasting. Like I, I genuinely didn't know that back in the day. And like you said, yeah. it's really tequila is having a moment right now where, um, it's oh, yeah. very, very popular. So now of course I do. But um, that's why I'm excited because I've never tried it. I've never tried to sit down and really pull out flavor notes like I would uh, with whiskey. So I guess that's a good place to start. And that is how, you know, there's no there's no best way to drink whiskey. I'm sure it's the same way for tequila. But but yeah. how do you go about your tastings typically? Yeah, so I, I love uh, neat room temperature in terms of you know how we're going to taste this liquid. Just room temperature. I, I don't mind having it pre-poured and, and letting some air get into it to let it open up a little bit, but neat room temperature. And and I really think the best way to do tastings is to engage as many of our senses as we can. So when I do, I do a lot of tasting events. I do a lot of virtual tasting events. I love doing private tasting events. You know, get. 15, 20 people. I, I don't love, I just had somebody ask me to do a tasting for like a hundred people. And to me, that's a nightmare. It's just too many people trying to herd cats. I want to have a conversation. I want to have 10, 15, at most 20 people and be able to go, Hey, what are you picking up? What do you, what are you smelling here? What are you tasting here? And so, you know, as I walk through it, one, I always ask, just like I did with you, I start out by going, who's ever had a bad experience with tequila? Because I know everyone's going to raise their hand. And the goal, again, is to change perspective, is to say, well, maybe tonight we're, we're going to change that mindset of what we think tequila is. So, you know, I start out right out the gate. You know, I've got, a, you know, usually a Blanco, a Reposado, Añejo, and Extra Añejo. And we can we can talk through what all of those are and, and, and what those mean. But I usually start with the Blanco and, and just go through you know, first thing is sight. We're going to look at it in the glass and see, you know, is there viscosity? Is it creamy? Does it have legs as it hangs on the glass? And then from there, you know, I actually do have people, you don't touch it. I got three ingredients here. I got water, blue Weber agave and yeast, and it's still very soft. And so I want people to, to feel it and just see how soft it is and then aromas. And then we get to the taste. Uh, so that's a quick version is, you know, as I walk people through it, I want to engage as many senses as we can to, you know, really elevate this experience. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really good. So, so that's the abridged version and we're about to get the full version here. (laughs) It looks like I have two Blancos. One is Cascanes and one is La Luna. Yep. So you actually have, you have, uh, um, La Luna is a mezcal. So you've got a mezcal there and then Cascanes is a a tequila. It's a Blanco that number nine, is that the uh, number Mm -hmm. nine? Is that what you have? Yep. So that's the number nine Blanco. Um, if, if you want to start, are are we doing this? Are we going right into the tasting? Yeah. Let's, let's taste some tequila. Okay. Okay. So, um, we can start with the mezcal. I I don't know if I normally start with the mezcal, but let's have fun and do it. Um, this is going to be higher proof. And so you with a a whiskey background, you, you actually, you're, this isn't going to scare you at all. Okay. Um, 
but but while, while you're pouring, I, I can just share a little bit about the difference between mezcal and tequila. Mezcal is also, you know, have, having a good moment. It, yes. It's not quite in the spotlight like tequila is, but it, it's it's getting there. And um, you know, mezcal is really where tequila comes from. I mean, vino de mezcal. This is what back in the day. This is old school, old school ways. Their distilleries are known as palenques or vinatas, and and most of them are off grid. I mean, you got to go like cross a river to get to no electricity, really old school ways of production and, and really awesome stuff there. So main differences. Uh, so this is tequila and mezcal. Both of these have a DO denomination of origin or appellation of origin, meaning there there's only certain states, you know, like champagne, there's only certain regions where you can produce this spirit. So for tequila, there are five states and Jalisco is the most well-known Jalisco is where the majority of it's coming out of, but there are five areas where you can produce tequila. It has to be for tequila, blue Weber agave, one type of agave, blue Weber, and, and it has to be in one of these five states. If it's outside of those areas, you cannot call it tequila. You can call it an agave distillate, but you cannot call it tequila. So mezcal, there's, uh, there's, there was nine, there's now I think 10, it kind of depends on who you ask. So larger region, um, Oaxaca is the most well-known there for where a lot of that uh, mezcal is coming out of. What you have is La Luna, and and they're really focused on Michoacan. So Michoacan is a, a different state where uh, they're growing these agaves. And the difference as well is within the agaves. So tequila, one type, Blue Weber. That's it. We got, we got one type. For mezcal, it can be there's like over 40, 50 different types of agaves or magues that, that you can use. So a, a lot larger variety of different uh, species of agaves or magues, as, as they will call them, um, opposed to tequila where there's just one. The region is larger. And then a big difference is the point of how they're cooking those agaves. In mezcal, a lot of times it's going to be an earthen pit underground where we're kind of smoking them. We're putting hot volcanic stone, rocks, maybe some acote wood, mesquite wood. You know, like if you were in Hawaii and you were doing a luau pig underground cooking it, similar there where they're letting it cook for, you know, 50 hours, 60 hours, 90 hours. And it's just roasting those, those agaves where with tequila, we'll use a, a brick oven or an autoclave or God forbid, a diffuser. So uh, I knew I just threw up a lot of information there, but a little different with, with mezcal. Um, a lot of times people think mezcal is always going to be real smoky. Uh, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there's a lot of complexity there. Uh, for this, La Luna, this is a great brand, always focusing on Michoacan. And they're using the Cuprieta, which is a type of agave that you have there, a little different than the Blue Weber agave. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think... I think- I'm I'm trying to translate these to whiskey terms here in my brain. So, <laughs> so it's sounding like like tequila is your your single malt scotch, which is made with just 100% malted barley. It's the only thing you're allowed to have in a single malt. And then okay. it sounds like your mezcal is almost like the broader category of whiskey, where you can use different things, you can use different techniques. But is it? I think where it differs is is it not the case, or I guess is it the case that all tequilas are mezcal or they're it's like more like a venn diagram or is it like one within the other yeah yeah so i mean back in the day they would call everything mezcal okay so they would just that that's just like that was known as this drink um mm-hmm. and and yes there is the term where they'll say that you know all mezcal is tequila but not all tequila is mezcal or okay. whatever the same is 
truth be told, like the Jalisco region, that's not in the DO for Mezcal, I don't believe, but back in the day, so it gets a little confusing there. Okay. Um, the truth is th- these are two different spirits They're They are related. Uh, both, both are, you know, <clears throat> complex and fantastic, but, uh, Mezcal, in my opinion is, you know, a little more to the ancestral going back, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of times for how we're crushing these agaves, they're using like wooden mallets to crush them and things like that. Copper wow. pot still distillation or Filipino distillation. So really, really old school. I mean, could be fermenting in a cowhide or in a, you know, carved out tree that's been there for 30 years. And I mean, wow. th- this is, this is old school. These guys have been making this for many, many generations and just passing it down. And, and it is special. And I think most people, you know, they may think with Mezcal like, oh, it's, it's, it's a little too much. I love tequila. And I always say, well, at some point you're going to want to get into it. Like you're going to want to go down that rabbit hole of just experiment. Like what, what are these flavors? What are these different? I mean, some of these agaves are growing wild for 20 years on the side of a cliff that they harvest and they're only going to get a small batch out of, but it's going to be really special. So, you know, I, I'm curious to see what you think as, as you, you have some in the glass, you see it, Mm -hmm. it is very clear. Um, this is a little higher proof there, but, uh, curious, you know, see what aromas you're getting off of it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. So this is gonna be my first actual sniff. I've been kind of smelling. Is this it. your first? Is this your first taste of mezcal ever, or no? As far as I know, yes. <laughs> Unless okay. I confused it with tequila at some point, this is definitely the first time I've had mezcal. Okay. All right. Okay, so it immediately smells different than I expected. Okay. It has a little bit of this. I, I don't know what even note I would call it, but the note that I get from tequila, like even in a mixed drink, that that like sourness that gets on your jaws. And it almost, it's reminding me of like a sour fruit almost. Okay. And I think I see just a touch of the smokiness that you were talking about. Would, yep. this, would this have that smokiness to it as well based on the process? Yeah. Yeah. Again, earthen pit cooking, roasting okay. those agaves underground is going to bring some of that if they're doing, you know, uh, mesquite wood or a cote wood or, or something there, but, but it shouldn't really be like a, a campfire bomb. Like it's not something that's just going to overwhelm you. Right. And that's where I want to clarify for those listening who have heard me talk about like peated scotch. That's where I wasn't sure if, uh, so, so there's a common misconception that all scotch is peated, which gives it this just bonfire in your glass type of smell um that's why i wasn't sure if all mezcal is going to have this but it sounds like it will but this is nowhere near that level of of peaty smokiness just to be clear not nearly as abrasive it comes across very sweet and um and light and with this all i can think at the moment is sour fruit but i also don't know the first thing about flavor notes that you would get (laughs) from mezcal so so. So I'd recommend take, taking a, once you're ready to sip, take a small sip and, and wake okay. up your palate, you know, let it, let it wake up your palate, then take a larger sip, let it coat your mouth and then, you know, swallow and, and exhale. I didn't, I didn't get a Cuervo face from you. So that's good. I didn't get a, you know, a face of like, Oh, Oh, I can't do oh. that. So I'm, I'm, that's, that's good. That, that's, that's a good sign. No, I'm more, yeah, I'm more just intrigued than anything else. I mean, this, I'm glad, I'm glad we started with the Mezcal. I don't know if the tequilas will taste like other tequilas that I've had, because obviously I've not had like the good craft stuff. So yeah, I'm excited to, to do that. But this tastes so different than anything I was really expecting. 
for sure the smokiness comes through for me more on the palate than it did on the nose. I can yep. I can taste that bit of smoky kind of earthy note and it's with yep. almost like a a citrus when it very first hit my tongue it almost reminded me of like Sprite or something. And then that smokiness okay. comes in and the finish I'm getting like mostly smokiness. Maybe a touch of like a a pepper or like something with a little okay. bit of spice. You'll hear me use a lot of whiskey notes as I'm trying to describe this. Yeah, that's okay. And what I always try to do when I talk, people always ask me, you know, well, what the tasting notes and my palate isn't as good. And I, I know you do so you do this a lot as well. It's like, hey, let's bring people in on this conversation. Whether you think you've got a, you know, palate that is, you know, so uh, sophisticated, it's like, no, I mean, you can break it down to just saying, I like it or I don't like it. Or you can go, you know, hey, I get this or I get this. And so I, I want to bring people in on this and not people make people feel scared about tasting something and going, I, I, I don't want to say anything because I could be wrong. Everyone's palate is different. I mean, for tequila, there's like over 400. I mean, they say over 400 flavor and aroma profiles that, you know, if people are picking up, you know, green pepper or apple or mint and I go, okay. And sometimes, you know, you hear something and you go, man, I can actually kind of pick that up Mm -hmm. as well. You know, for this, I get earthiness, maybe a little leather there. Uh, definitely there's some smoke there. Leather is a great one that, um, that like slight bitterness when you walk into a store that yep. has I remember um Wilson Leather when I was a kid and we go on vacation they had a Wilson Leather store and it was all leather and you'd walk in and it'd hit you and that is a great one especially on the finish as the smoke fades I get like that leathery feeling almost like a film on my tongue and I always encourage people to stick with it. You know, a lot of times, you know, as oxygen gets into it, as it as it opens up a little bit, it, it can transform. I mean, a lot of these mm-hmm. I will pour and then walk away and let it sit for five minutes or 10 minutes. And it's very different. And I've even had different tequilas that I try for the first time and I don't get at all. And then I come back a week later and go, whoa, something's very different here. So for anybody listening, if you try something and you go, no, that's not for me, I want to encourage you stick with it. Give it another try, you know, maybe a couple days later or something else after it's maybe opened up a little bit and see if that changes for you. Totally agree. That is a, an absolute parallel with whiskey. You can have that with a new bottle. You can have that with one yep. glass, like you just said. And it's, and as I think we're about to experience as well, it's uh, don't just try one and be like, I don't like any mezcal i don't like any tequila because they all taste so vastly different yeah yeah i uh i am floored by how different this tastes than what i expected (laughs) i first of all i didn't even know mezcal was smoky until you told me that and i smelled it and i'm like oh yeah it kind of is it almost gives me it reminds me a little bit of peated scotch in the sense of almost slightly medicinal or slightly kind of iodine type note to it um in that sense, it reminds me of a peanut okay. scotch a little bit. Hmm. And if you had, you know, four or five different mezcals in front of you, different agave, you know, varietals, they would all be very different. I, mm-hmm. I've got a, a great brand, Cinco Sentidos, on my show coming up next week. And I just recorded that a couple nights ago. And, and we went through five of their expressions where they're really focusing on. We've got a few different regions in Oaxaca and mm-hmm. these producers and they're all doing very different things. And that final product is like, whoa, it's just out of this world. And it really takes you back in time because it's like, this is what they were making 100, 200 years ago. I mean, this is what they were bartering with. Like, they, yeah. they would 
trade some mezcal for goats or for, you know, I mean, so it's, it's a pretty special thing. Yes, that it is. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I didn't know that they still had those techniques like you were mentioning, like fermenting it in like an old log and getting yep. it off of the side of a mountain. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, I believe I saw on your page, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was on your page where they were harvesting it. And then I also saw where you were outside somewhere and you had an agave plant that was right there and you were showing, which was really cool to see. Those are pretty cool looking plants. Yeah, the agave, you know, blue Weber agave is very special. I mean, it, it is very special. And and this is a plant that this is a one-time use, blue Weber agave. We're we're gonna grow these. It's gonna take five, six, seven plus years to wow. to grow to maturity here. We're going for a bricks level, a, a sugar content. So this is not a grain that, you know, we can just one year or corn or something that mm -hmm. we just go through. It's gonna give its life. You know, we're gonna harvest it and it's done. They're going to have to plant more agaves. So when you talk about from field to bottle or to glass, I mean, especially as we get into añejos and extra añejos, some of these are over a decade. And wow. that's, again, to me, this like, hey, let's respect this, not just, yeah, let's just take shots, knowing, and and you did see, you know, I, I was just in Mexico with Tequila Ocho, and they let me go, and I got to harvest my own agave, you know, these That's humidors work in these fields, yeah, it's a lot of work, guys, I mean, yeah. like, I, I, I need to get in shape, I'm like, whoa, they, <laughs> they do 100 to 120 of these a day, and they've got to break this thing out of the ground, cut off all the leaves of the pancas, they use a koa, which is a sharp, very sharp blade, everything could, you know, cut your leg off and and that's just the first step before we even get to the distillery so again a, a labor of love the cost of raw goods here the time it takes this is very involved it, it's not you know you and i can't just say hey let's start making tequila and tomorrow we can produce something it's like we we've got to wait some serious time uh to to do it right now some of these cheaper brands that we are you know, we've seen all over the place. They may use younger agaves. They could be a little more mass produced production style. And so that's where that quality isn't there. We have to use different chemicals and additives to add to that flavor profile to get it palatable. That's what we're used to. And so that's what I'm trying to educate kind of against to go, mm -hmm. hey, let, let's try something else that is a little more craft. Okay. Yes. That, that was actually going to be my next question was like, how do these mass producers crank it out? And so the answer would be, they don't let it age quite as long. And then you don't have the sugar content in the agave. And so it comes yep. out as like a harsher product basically. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, again, right now it's crazy. So uh, and, and there's different cycles of the cost of agaves. And so, you know, there's some fear that the cost is going to go down. So you may have farmers that are growing agaves that will say, hey, let me try to sell it now at, you know, four years as the price is high, because I'm afraid if I go another year, the price could be lower. And and there's a lot of these giant mass produced major brands that are like, hey, we will take them at four years. We, we don't we don't care. We'll fix it all later in post. So they're doing mm -hmm. things like that. The, the way that they're, you know, we've got to get to fermentable sugars when we're, when we're cooking these, you know, they're using a diffuser, a diffuser. Think of a giant power washer where we're just hitting these, a guy, we're softening them, different chemicals, uh, different, uh, acid washes oh. not, we're not cooking them. It's, we're just breaking them down. So then that we can crush them when they get to fermentation, maybe they're using some yeast accelerants. Like let's, we, you know, we don't have time to go a week in fermentation. Let's continue to accelerate this. And really what they're doing is, you know, they may use column distillation. Really what they're doing is like a neutral spirit. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a very limited agave neutral spirit. And then we've got to add 
glycerin to make it give a thicker mouthfeel. We got to add some, some sweetener to it to make it not bitter and things like that. And then as we get into aging, we can also add, you know, caramel coloring and oak flavoring and, you know, like it, it, it's a two, a two month reposado, but we want it to seem like it's a five month reposado. So maybe we add some more flavor to it. That's not what you're going to taste tonight. That's not what I'm about. I'm about, you know, really letting people know what good quality tequila is. It does get a little crazy where you can have up to 1% additives in your tequila and you do not, you don't have to say that you have additives. There's some loopholes and there's, there, there's some, you know, anytime there's a billion dollar industry, there, Mm -hmm. there's going to be some, some wonky things going on here. And, and a lot of it is, you know, what does your palate tell you? Because the majority of the big celebrity brands, they're, they're using additives, they're using flavor. You know, you're usually not going to get cake batter, vanilla, from a Blanco as a natural flavor. Right. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to educate people on that, but it's tough. And we all started yeah. somewhere. Right. We all thought, you know, this one tequila was the best tequila because it was the most expensive and understanding that price does not dictate quality. And I'm sure you mm-hmm. see that in a lot of the bottles that you, you know, recommend to people that they think, well, if it's expensive, it's going to be good. No, I can show you really expensive, poorly made tequilas, and I can show you really well-made, very affordable tequilas. Absolutely. And that is that has become such a part of the, the bourbon culture, specifically in America. Yeah. Certain ones are just so hard to come by. And uh, I've been doing a whole series about that with uh, Blanton's just because it's so hard to come by. It's so expensive when you can find it, at least not in my state, but in other states. And, um, and so I've been doing a whole series comparing blind. I don't know how much the other whiskey costs. And there are so many that can, can match that. As you said, price does not mean everything. And unfortunately, if people just go based on price, which we've all done, I've done it with whiskey back when yeah. I was newer, but you get something that costs a lot and then you don't like it. And you're like, well, if I didn't like the expensive one, I'll never like a cheaper one. And that's an yeah. unfortunate situation to have as well. Yeah. So, um, I'm so near Mezcal. The- What'd you think? You, you go, okay, I could, I could get behind this. I actually, I could spend a little more time here or, or is it not your jam? I could spend I could spend more time here. This um okay. I this would be something I would treat this the same way that I treat a peated scotch. Um it's it's aggressive. It is flavorful. I mean, you don't have to chase the body. It's right there on your palate. Um and so in, when I'm in the mood for that aggressive, when I'm in the mood for that full body, little bit of smokiness, I would totally totally drink this. Um but I will, I will forewarn my listeners who are considering it. This is going to lean towards a, a peated scotch um, a little bit more. This is going to have that kind of smoky, that kind of aggressive flavor to it. And if you're into that, it's very enjoyable because it's not boring by any means. Yeah. And then from there, you know, we, we will take you down the road of, of tequila again. Me- mezcal mm-hmm. is definitely, it's, it's a different beast, but uh, man, there, there's definitely, it's worth spending some time there. And there's a lot of really great brands. You know, the, the problem is, you know, a lot of these small time producers, you know, how do we get, how do we get it to the market and how do we get it to the market and not exploit them? How do mm-hmm. we get it to the market and, and still make sure they're getting, you know, what they, they should be getting. And unfortunately, a lot of times our, you know, our American way of thinking is just scale, scale, big, big, big. Mm-hmm. And that's why, 
you know, that La Luna does a really good job on really taking care of the producers there and that Cinco Sentidos as well, where, you know, they're saying, hey, we've never told our producers we need more. If they tell us we're, we're going to do two batches a year, that's all we're going to get. And we're going to release it. And it is what it is. And when it's gone, it's gone. And I go, I like that model. I like that we're not putting pressure to say, you've got to go cut more agaves. You've got to go produce more. You got to go, 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 because, you know, profit, profit, profit. They're, they're saying, hey, we're going to pay you more than anyone else will pay you. We want to showcase you. And we don't want to change anything as to what, you know, as to how you're doing it. Wow. Yeah, that really does bring something special to it because you, like you said, you can use those old school techniques. You can do the things that take the more time and you get to actually, the the art doesn't get lost in that way. So many yep. times when you scale too much, the art just totally goes out the window, like you said. Um, yep. So yeah, that's, that is incredibly interesting. And the other thing I'll add is being, what was it, 46%? That has a pretty nice mouthfeel. It didn't dry out my tongue very much. Um, it, it didn't give me, it's not as oily as I would say like a scotch is, but in comparison to like a bourbon for those listening who, who are used to whiskey, um, it's giving me more of like a bourbon, but not a harsh one. So it's not super drying out my tongue. Um, but it's, it's pretty easy. It goes down pretty easy. It keeps your tongue pretty well, good slick. Yeah. Well, well, as we move to this Blanco, uh, okay. we, we actually are going to a higher proof Blanco. Again, I, I normally, for my tasting events, I, I wouldn't start, you know, people that are, that aren't really into tequila on a high proof, uh, but I figured you, you can take it. Uh, so I brought Cascanes. Cascanes number nine. Cascanes is a really awesome brand. They actually just changed distilleries and, and I've been to the new distillery. I've, I actually helped kind of launch it with them in terms of letting it, letting it out and, and seeing what, what's going on. They've got the same master distiller. They're bringing in their own water. Uh, these are very, very mature agaves. This is their Blanco. This is their number nine. They've got a number seven, a number nine and a number 10. Number seven is 40%. Number nine is 50%. And then the 10 is either going to be at 108 or 110. Uh, for tequila, we cannot have anything in the U.S. above 110. Uh, so okay. we, we max out at 55% uh, for with the CRT. I know you guys can, can go qu quite a bit higher there and in the bourbon world. Um, yeah. but this is a Blanco. This is, this is using an autoclave. So think of like a pressure cooker, low pressure. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much same atmospheric pressure as a brick oven. Uh, this is low and slow cooking these agaves. We got to turn them into fermentable sugar. We're going to use a, you know, we shred them. We're going to use a roller mill, uh, for that maceration, adding water to it. They're bringing in their own water. Uh, so we're, we're collecting that, uh, honey water, that agua miel. And then from there we go to, uh, fermentation. Fermentation is going going to be usually open air. It can be stainless steel. It can be concrete. It could be wood. Uh, this is nature. This is, you know, a lot of times field fermentation, just, just natural fermentation. Uh, and it's going to go, you know, sometimes four days, five days, six days. If it's cooler, it's going to go longer fermentation. And we're going to come out of fermentation, maybe 3% alcohol. I mean, it's pretty crazy. This whole journey, this long life of, you know, six, seven year agaves through this process just to leave fermentation at, you know, a agave beer at three, 4%. But then wow. from there we go to distillation. Uh, here we've got, I, I believe they've got stainless steel distillation with copper coil for this is the new batch uh, for Cascanes. Um, and, and it's going 
you know, may go into some stainless steel to stabilize after distillation two times through it, You know, we're cutting heads and tails. I assume you're doing some of that with, mm-hmm. with, you know, bourbons, you know, some of those superior alcohols on the front end, but there's a lot of flavor there on those heads and tails. Yeah. Uh, but we're after that heart, that sweetness and those master distillers, they know exactly what they're going for. And, and this is going to be, you know, bottled or, or barreled. And this is a Blanco. So this has not been touched by a, a barrel or any Anything like that, uh, but this is from their new distillery. This is uh, T Tap is the distillery. Now I'm sixteen fourteen. Every bottle will have an NOM number, Norma Oficial of Mexico, and so it's fun to look at those numbers and know those numbers and know what other brands are coming out of those distilleries. Uh, but but this is Cascanes. Let, let's uh let, let's see what you what you're thinking on it. Yeah, right away that that smoke from the mezcal is gone. Um, I'm yep. not getting any of that. Like you said. It's got a little bit more of this this slightly sour. The only thing I can think of, and I promise it's not that unappetizing. The only thing I can think of is almost like a plastic note to it. It reminds me of like a plastic. <laughs> okay, like is it briny or? It's definitely briny. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting a saltiness. Yep. I get, I mean, do you get any sweetness on that nose there? I mean, again, this mm-hmm. is at 50%. So, so this has got some, some alcohol here, but you know, we're going to have less water. We're not proofing it down as much. So mm-hmm. we're going to have less water, meaning we're going to have more flavor there, more aromas. Yes. And I don't want to sound like a broken record. It reminds me again of like a sour candy. Um, I don't know, almost like, hmm, I'm, I'm going to take another, another nose before okay. I say anything. I get a long finish. You know, there's there's some pepper here. You get a long finish on, on this, especially at fifty percent. Mm-hmm. On the nose, it's almost like a little bit of vanilla, and then this like this like sour candy that it reminds me yep. of. Um, and then on the palate, yeah, it almost deepens a little bit. I got this with the mezcal as well. The nose seems a little bit lighter. The palate has a little bit more of that like kind of herbal kind of um deeper notes to it you mentioned i think black pepper a little bit of that um and then definitely it it dries out your tongue a touch more but it's also um 50 it's about what i would expect from 50 percent. it's not cotton balls in my mouth or anything like that but again i'm telling you as as it opens up as oxygen gets mm-hmm. into it, as it opens up, it continues to just give layers. And and for me, there's a creaminess. I mean, there's a creaminess that starts to to come with this. Again, that viscosity, and you're just going, whoa, that agave yeah. sweetness. I promise I was not saying this because you said that I was about to say creaminess. When you said it starts yep. to open up, I thought yep. that sip, it had this like almost sweet cream to it that, uh, yeah, it, it like it sweetened it up. It's a little bit more viscous maybe. And I'd sip on this. I mean, I'd sip on this all night. You put this in a cocktail. You could probably even use a little less because of the higher proof, and it's still going to mm-hmm. cut through. But but this is a, a really well-made – everything I'm giving you here is confirmed additive-free. Tequila Matchmaker is a really great app. They, they do a really great job of going into these distilleries and, and just really looking at everything. And so if you're wanting to learn more about tequila – the tequila matchmaker app is is a great place to start after after my podcast now they they're they're the mm-hmm. place to start they, they do a really great job and they actually do have a verified additive free program and every single one of these that that i sent you they have been through that program so you know there's there's no like is there something going on here these are all confirmed additive free and again one of the best ways to do that is to 
train your palate is to mm-hmm. taste different things and to do AB. And you're doing a lot of blinds. Blinds are really awesome because they help train your palate. Uh, but, but these are all additive free. So, uh, okay. really, really old school craft, great tequilas. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. I've heard about that. That's also a thing that's really starting to catch on. Thankfully, I think is that, um, those additives are what can give, as you mentioned, some tequilas are going to taste like cake the first time you have them or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that seems to be a, a growing awareness, which is really good. Um, well, people say I want smooth and, and mm-hmm. the reality is tequila is not smooth. This is nature. We've got in Jalisco, we've got the highlands and we've got the valley and and there's terroir conversations you can have about the microclimate and we can have, you know, a, a four hour span of up to the highlands down to the valley. It, it's, you know, very different soil, very different water. It's all these things and it's nature and there's, there's mm-hmm. some bite to it. And, you know, people go, well, I just want one that's smooth. Well, usually the smoother it is, sure, you can oxidize it and you can get some air and and it can kind of help round it off. But that smooth that everybody wants with, you know, at at the nightclub, that's usually coming in the form of a chemical sweetener or something to make it that palatable. You know, I still want a little bit of bite to it uh, Mm -hmm. because this is nature. This is tequila. Every batch is going to be a little different because of the time of the year or the fermentation or where those agaves came from, uh, opposed to just boom, boom, boom. Everything is exactly the same after, you know, bottle after bottle. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does have that bite to it. It, um, it reminds me more. So like I spend a lot of time with bourbons where they're like the, the caramely kind of cocoa type of, of sweet. This reminds me of like the sour candy type of sweet. It actually reminds me a lot of a, um, sour spray I used to get as a kid that you like spray on your tongue and it was sour. I don't know if you've seen those candies. <laughs> okay. That, that's what it's reminding me of. I'm a big okay. fan. You mentioned the, uh, the, the notes. There's no wrong answers. I'm a big fan of like hillbilly notes. I call them where it's just okay. whatever it reminds me of some, some whiskeys I say remind me of licking an envelope. They have like that taste to them. Okay. Um, I think I got, I think I still got some like leather on this one. I think that's what I was kind of confusing for plastic. It's like that slightly bitter kind of, um, I, I don't know how to describe it other than like high pitched bitter, uh, note to it. I still got a little bit of that. Um, definitely less earthy and more maybe er- like light herb, um, sour candy, sour fruit to me is, is kind of how this compares to the mezcal for me, I think. Okay, but at the end of the day, could you could you sip it and go? Okay, uh, this is still this is we're we're heading in. Because I mean, as a bourbon drinker, I think the especially añejo extra añejo is where you're going to want to live. That it's had the most barrel contributions. Right. But I just wanted you to see, hey, this is what tequila is in its purest form, not touched by a barrel, not touched by you know poor process of, of how production process, no additives. This is tequila. And and I think if you were to AB this against say, uh, you know, Jose Cuervo, not to talk bad about any brands, but, but something that is just what we all know as a, a, you know, mass produced brand, you should pick up a, a big difference be, between the two. Oh, absolutely. I, I would see myself actually drinking this because I think I have this impression in my head of clear spirits that they're all pretty much tasteless. They just kind of taste like alcohol. And the fact that I'm even pulling notes from this is pretty impressive to me. Um, and I I have had for sure uh, Cuervo, like you said, not to pick on specific brands, a couple other brands um, that they give me this smell 
that reminds me of walking into a pet store. It's like the hamster bedding. It, I, it's the most specific <laughs> note ever, but they, they give me that, and I, it grosses me out a like, little bit. like dried urine? This is the hamster yeah, bedding I, of a three-day-old three so. hamster cage. I yeah, think so. This is not just a neutral spirit. This is tequila has yeah. a, a lot of flavor here. You know, the agave, Blue Weber agave, super sweet. Man, there there is so much complexity here. Again, these fibers, how we've got to, you know, break these down to be able to ferment this and and, and to get, you know, car- those starches into those sugars. Man, there's a lot mm-hmm. here and there's a lot of flavor. But I do think as we as we turn into the barrel, you know, I, th- I think you're going to start to have a little more uh, sense of like, okay, this is... If we're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, this is something that, you know, falls a little more in line, but, but Blancos are awesome. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you enjoyed that Blanco. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to try out these, these barrel aged ones now. So Reposado, Añejo, Extra Añejo, we're talking how long it's been in a barrel essentially. Is that correct? Correct. So Reposado. Reposado is going to be anywhere from 60 days. So if we're in a barrel 60 days by the CRT, Tequila Regulatory Council, we are a Reposado. We can go up to a year. So I can't go any more than that. So if I hit one year, I'm in Añejo. And Añejo is one year to just shy of three years. Now, I'm going to confuse you all. And technically, I can put a Blanco in a barrel for less than 60 days. I can go 45 days and I can still call it a Blanco. And we're starting to see that with some, they call them like Rosa Blancos or heritage Blancos. Um, and so they're going to have just a little bit, we don't see that too often. So I, I don't spend too much time on it, but if it hits 60 days, we are a Reposado. So I got here for you, Tequila Grand Oveo. This is NOM 1414, the Vivanco Distillery. This is going to be at 40%. Uh, this is going to be somewhere around nine months in, you know, these are usually ex-American white oak barrels. Uh, so okay. we're, we're going to bring some of that bourbon influence into it, but we still want that agave to shine through. We, we don't want it to be bourbon or whiskey. If we want that, we'll just drink that. We want the agave to still shine through. So you're, you know, First thing, look, you, you've got some color here. This mm-hmm. is no longer, you know, s- simple crystal, crystal clear. These are, you know, used bourbon barrels. Okay. Let's see what you're getting on the nose. Yeah, that definitely, I'm not to the point of like getting oak from it yet, but it, it definitely tones it down into a deeper, less leathery, more in the, in the land of like fruit for me. Okay. And this is this distillery, really awesome distillery. Sergio Cruz is making this. He's an amazing master distiller. Uh, they're using champagne yeast, which is a little different. And they also ferment using the Mozart method. So during fermentation, they've got classical music playing. And to them, you know, yeast, it's alive. And they go the vibrations. And, you know, if you're, if how it's responding and it's kind of just, calming and they want that for fermentation not not sure the science behind it but they're making really great tequila so i'll i'll go <laughs> along with it but but that's something interesting here uh we're using brick oven to to cook these agaves from here on out we, we've got i believe from here on out we've got brick oven uh for these agaves um again similar to an autoclave both both are making really great tequilas mm-hmm. and then like i said nine nine months in the barrel oh that's way more different than i would think it would be it's not like the color is not that much different, but wow. Yep. So it's definitely getting. It's definitely less aggressive than than the blanco. It's um, I'm getting this sweetness, not so not as earthy as I expected. Honestly, let me get take another yep. sip here. 
I would say it it comes across a lot. I don't know how I want to put this. It, it comes across a bit like cleaner, um, less flashy, a little bit less punchy. And this could be the less alcohol by volume as well, which is something yeah. I, I hadn't considered. But um, it's a, like a little bit less flashy. It's got some more kind of kind of mellow sweetness. Um, still some of that fruitiness. Still a little bit of that herbal, but not like that that leathery, uh, somewhat bitter note that I was getting with the blanco. It it seems to have mellowed out a bit. I'm gonna rinse out with some water here because of that ABV difference and see yeah, uh, how yep. that changes things for me. Yeah, I get a little of that, you know, that vanilla starts to come through. We're going to start mm-hmm. to pick up some of the barrel here. Again, very light for even nine months. A lot of times we'll see repos in that five, six month range. Right now, everyone's trying to just get tequila out. There, there's a few different brands that you just can't even find because everyone's just buying it. And it's not hype. They're just really, really great brands. And they're such mm-hmm. small production that they just, you know, they can't rush this. And so, you know, they're, they may have a five, six month reposado of this for nine months. That's some good time in the barrel. I get a little of that sweetness there. I get some cinnamon. I get some baking spices with this. And, and I, I'm going to continue to lean into the, some of those baking spices as, as we spend a little more time in the barrel. Uh, but, but definitely very well balanced here but that agave is still there that sweetness is still there and it's not super oaky i mean it's not so oaked out Mm -mm. yeah definitely not too much oak it almost it leans a little bit away from the black pepper it's like it's still there but it's not as much of a punch of the black pepper as well and i think i think it's the vanilla that i'm really getting along with that it's still got that slightly kind of sour candy kind of fruitiness to it which i'm guessing is just coming from the agave at this point i'm thinking that's kind of the um the caramel and vanilla that is corn it's kind of that agave note that i can't put my finger on but it's coming through with some vanilla that that black pepper is taking a little bit of a back seat and also it's on the 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 palate nowhere near as um as much kind of i don't want to say dryness because it wasn't super drying out my tongue but not quite as harsh not quite as like pokey on your tongue if that makes sense okay yeah any of that abv may may come into play there with with it. definitely so, so you you've had three you've had a, a mm-hmm. mezcal you've had a high proof blanco and then you've had a repo uh so far you've got two more to go so far of the three uh wh- which one which lane do you want to live in that's a good question. Um, I think, ooh. So, if I'm in the mood for a challenge, for sure the mezcal, because I think okay. I could, I could sit there and pull out different things from that for a while. I think. Okay. Because it's just so. I, mean, I guess probably just because compared to anything I've had, it's so funky. It's so different, um, and I enjoyed that about it. Um, out of the the remaining two, though, I think the the repo is probably for me if I was hanging out with friends, just sipping on something and not, you know, overly focused on the tasting, trying to do a tasting but be social at the same time. I yep. think I would I would see myself with the you repo on that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think so, but I don't want to discount the blanco because. I'm pretty floored by the fact that it's clear and has so much different stuff going on. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, whiskey, you, you, you got to have that bur- that barrel contribution. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, you know, any of those, those neutral, you know, clear spirits, but with tequila there, there's a lot of flavor there with, with those Blancos. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we do have moonshine, but it's not, it's not the type of flavor that I was getting <laughs> from, uh, from those. That's for sure. Okay, so now we're going to head to Enyejo. Enyejo okay. is going to be w- one year to just shy of three years. And and again, I, I think you're going to really like this. I chose Insolito, Insolito. Uh, this is a really great brand. This is very well priced. This is going to go 18 to 24 months uh, in the barrel. They're actually using new barrels and with a light char. So you you are going to get, I, you know, this to me is something that I, I use in my tastings for people that are bourbon lovers that you okay. know, I, I think I'm, I'm hoping you're going to go, okay, I can, I can see this crossover here now, um, you know, right off the bat, it should be darker than that yes. Grand Aveo, that Repo on the nose. I mean, I'm, I'm getting very different nose. Yeah. What does that remind me of? It's something specific. These are new, new American oak barrels, but there's an oaky sweetness on that nose for me. Yes, that, so it's like a, it's like oak. It's a little different from the oak I get from bourbons. It's almost like a, a newer wood. I think it's because it's with well first of all it's not aged quite as long in there and then also it's with those light flavors of the of the agave i'll stick with my hillbilly notes here it reminds me just a tiny bit of like um like fireworks or like like black powder i'm I'm getting like that kind of a smell from it this is a whole different ball game yeah, this brand, this brand has, uh, there's a country band, Midland, uh, they're, they're, uh, a country band They're you know, I, I don't know how, how large or, or not large they are, but, uh, they're, they're a country band that they're involved in this. And so, you know, you, you could lean towards celebrity tequila. Uh, most we're starting to see a lot of celebrity tequilas come into the market. Mm-hmm. Most are not good. Most are, you know, opportunities, they're cash grabs, uh, you know, George, George Clooney, you know, set the standard a long time ago when he sold Casamigos for a billion dollars. Every mm-hmm. celebrity called their agent and said, I've got a great idea. Uh, but <laughs> this is really well made. This is the distillery, the master distiller, again, additive free. And it's great to have, you know, there are a handful of quote unquote celebrity brands that I would recommend. This would be one of them. Okay. I've actually seen Midland live. I'm a big fan of country music. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, and I agree. I think we're having the same thing in, in whiskey and in bourbon right now. The celebrities really getting involved. Yeah. Now, this is the first one that I can really say the the vanilla and the sugariness is coming through. I mean, yeah. it's it's almost the, the thing that I get before the other things. Um. I mean, I can still have, I mean, it's probably been 30 seconds to a minute. Yes. Yeah, it it hangs. There's a sweetness that hangs there. Yeah. Big time. And then when it's hanging on your palate and you go back to smell it, now you're, you're back to the, yeah. the sweetness. But again. it's not, it's not too, it's not syrupy. It's not, there, there no. are some extra añejos that, that are, are very popular that, you know, do have some sugar component added to it. And they're almost maple syrupy or just, you know, too much as you're, as you're sipping it. This, this doesn't get that far into it. There's still a, a pleasant, you know, the, those flavors there, it just kind of hangs with a little bit of a sweetness on it. I, yes. I love using this for a uh, tequila old fashioned. 
Mm. You know, I'll, I'll do some bitters, either chocolate bitters, orange bitters, or just Angostura bitters, large ice, a little agave, and then with this, on, you know, on a giant rock, and it's it's delicious. I could see that. It actually, one of the notes I was going to say, not so much on the finish, but on the palate, it kind of gives me a little bit of an oranginess, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of like a citrus with that vanilla, and then just a touch of that charred oak. Now, this is where, for those listening who do a bunch of bourbon tastings with me, if you're so used to bourbon, you might not pick up on it if you weren't told about it. Like I probably wouldn't have if you weren't mentioning the, you know, the aging and things like that. But looking for it, it's there, I would say. Yeah. I get a little dried fruit on this. I mean, there there's there's complexity here. There are a lot of flavors if you continue to search for it and to sample. And, you know, for for you, the, these are, you know, you're just pouring these. Uh, I'm telling you, if it would change if if you had 10 more minutes of them just sitting in the glass, mm-hmm. it, it definitely starts to open up. So excited for you to, to revisit them as maybe a little, you know, air gets into them. Yes, definitely. Um, I do have a little bit left in each of these bottles, so I'll definitely be uh, revisiting. Um because I, I agree, they're pretty complex. They are, I'm getting, so let's talk about similarities to whiskey. It's reminding me of a whiskey tasting in that as the air gets exposed to it, it's definitely changing the flavors a little bit. There is a nose palette finish to it. It's not just like yeah. tequila, tequila, tequila. It's like there's you're yeah. getting different flavors in different phases of the palette, which is really cool. Um. I think that that Añejo so far might be my winner. I'd have to compare it to the Repo. Okay. I think because it's got the the barrel characteristics to it, um, but it also seems to have a little bit more going on, which is probably because of the age. Um, and I also like Midland. Maybe that's swaying me a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one. If you, if you go see them live, I just saw something that they said, we're heading out on tour and we're bringing a lot of tequila. So if you go see them live, they'll, they'll probably have a lot of uh, in, in Solito out there with them. Good to know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, and then lastly, I brought you uh, one of my favorite XAs. This is, you know, legendary as legendary gets. This is Tapatio. Tapatio, this is coming out of NAM 1139, La Altena. This is Carlos Camarena, master distiller. He is... Uh, both he and his brother Felipe are two just legends in the industry. The Camarena name, their family, they have been so influential, I mean, for generations for what they've done to the tequila industry. Uh, but this is the Tapatio Excelencia. Uh, this is four or five years. I mean, lightly charred. Uh, there's there's going to be agave still there, but this is very delicious. Um, they used to be four the first batch of this, I think after they I think it made me went five years in barrels. And then I think it hung out in glass jugs for like 10 years. I mean, just something crazy that they're just letting it stabilize. Uh, but wow. the newer batches are going about four or five years, which is a long time. Extra Añejo has to be at least three years. There's no cap to it. I've had a 21 year extra Añejo. I've had, you know, 14 year. Uh, so this going four or five years, that's a long time. As as producers right now are trying to get tequila out into the market, it's hard for them to make that Blanco and then put it in a barrel for four or five years or three years mm-hmm. or even a year and a half for an Añejo. And with that, just like, you know, the angel share, we're going to lose a certain percentage of that. And this is Mexico. Yeah. This is, you know, humidity. <laughs> this is nature. This is not a temperature controlled barrel room. This is like, hey, let's go underground. So we're going to lose a little more. Let's try to control it as much as we can. Uh, but man, th- this is very special and and just just a beautiful extra Añejo. Yeah, 
This again, American White Oak. I haven't sipped it yet. On the nose, this is a winner. This it uh, so I'm getting the sugar, like brown sugar, white sugar, kind of coming to the forefront. It's reminding me so much of a lemon muffin that's got like that crusted sugar on top of it. Okay. Or like a lemon square. I'm excited to take a sip of it. Definitely seeing some of those barrel characteristics come through. Wow. He's thinking. That is, He's thinking. Yeah. I'm, on all five of these, I'm struggling with the notes because I'm floored by the fact that this tastes so different from whiskey and yet still so complex. That probably sounds narrow-sighted, but but I'm just so used to whiskey to think <laughs> that this, you know, you think you have your, uh, you know, like flavor wheels, things like that, yeah. and you think, well, whiskey covers that whole flavor wheel, and then you try something like this, and using the same flavor wheel, you just score it so, so differently. It's like I'm short-circuiting because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, at the end of the day, this is about bringing people together mm-hmm. and, and sitting around just like what we're doing and talking life and going, hey, what are you liking? What are you getting? And again, we could have five different uh, samples or four different samples and 10 people in the room and everyone may have a different favorite one that they tried and there's no wrong answer here. So, you know, just for you to try it and to go, whoa, there is, you know, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing with you and whiskey and go, whoa, there's, mm-hmm. there's a whole nother world here. And there's a lot of bourbons or whiskeys that I've, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's like a superpower. I can walk into a liquor store and look at the tequila and know exactly what to get, what not to get. You send me over to the bourbon aisle. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Is this one good? And, but you know, and so for you to be able to pull those out and say, Hey, there's a story here. There's something mm-hmm. special about this. That's what I love about this. And again, when you look at the families that make this, some of these guys are second. I mean, Felipe and Carlos Camarena making this they're you know, third, fourth generation master distillers. I mean, this is just in their family, just going way, way back. And this distillery, I, I've been there. I've been to three, three of these distilleries uh, of what we're tasting here. I mean, just really special. And so again, it just brings it all together when you've seen it, when you've walked in, you smelled it. And then to be able to hear these stories with it. Absolutely. We, uh, I was just talking about that with my guest on my last episode, which hasn't aired as of the recording of this, but it'll air. And, uh, and he watched, there's a bourbon documentary called neat where you get to see all of that from a documentary standpoint in person. It's even more like you said. Um, but even just that, he's like, wow, it really made me appreciate it a lot more because people just think of it as the, they associate it as being on like the same level as like a beer or not even like, because craft beer is fantastic, but like a light beer that you might just get to drink and they don't realize that it can, just because they both have alcohol in them doesn't mean they're in the same category. It's almost a different world. Yeah. Now this. So what what are you thinking on this uh, Tapatio? So this is is way more perfumey, I would say, than the last one. A lot more fragrance to it, um, and still, still has that vanilla sweetness to it. But I'm also yep. getting a a good amount of like a fragrance, um, maybe a little like a touch of like a. I don't want to say fruity. Let me give it one more sip here. Yeah it it reminds me of almost a slightly tropical type drink that I, that I would have. I don't know why, but sugary, a little bit fruity, that char, that little bit of char is starting to come through. 
Um, yeah. Still not on like the level of smoke of the mezcal, but um, right. more of just like a, a charred wood. Um, yeah, a little bit of oak there. Nothing, nothing overpowering. Yes, yes, not overpowering. And then uh, definitely more perfumey than the last one that we had, just the añejo that we had. Um, more, I think this one, it has more to show. And it would take I could take more time with it, whereas the yep. añejo has more of the sweetness, uh, more of the um, just kind of easygoing flavors. This yep. one I think I I'd have to sit with, and I could pick it apart for a pretty long time. And as you said, even as it sits in the glass, continue to pick it apart. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there you have it, man. You you just went through five different agave agave samples, four tequilas, one one mezcal. You you did you did well. Yeah, thank you. And I've been trying to drink my water so that I can still walk upstairs after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but no, I I appreciate you walking me through this. I I expected that tequila and mezcal would have more flavor to them than I thought they did. I for sure expected that. I did not expect all five of these to taste as different as they tasted. So that is okay. amazing. I'm I'm pretty impressed. Especially, I thought this is a you know a dumb whiskey guy uh, perspective. I thought mezcal and tequila were gonna basically taste the same, and those did not taste. If you told me those were just not even related, I'd probably believe you. Like if you told me it was okay. gin and tequila, like that's how yeah. different they tasted to me. So that was very impressive. And so now that I've given my, my flavor notes that probably are, are off the wall, if you had to describe to somebody listening who wasn't able to walk through this with us, what types of things you can expect from tequila as somebody who tequila and mezcal as somebody who actually uh, has experience with the flavor notes, what general things would you, would you tell people to anticipate? Yeah, I would, I mean, you know, on, on a tasting level, I would say things like, you know, there, there's going to be some form of a sweetness. There mm-hmm. is a sweetness here at some level, you know, mezcal is going to be different and, and mezcal really runs the gamut because it could depend on the type of agave they're using and the region. So there's definitely a, a not a one size fits all for mezcal. I mean, same as tequila, but mezcal definitely goes down a, a deeper hole uh, for tequila, you know, depending on the expressions in terms of barrel time. But, but there's a sweetness here. There's going to be uh, some, a little bit of a bite. I mean, there's, there's going to be complexity and, and on the, you know, just as romanticizing it, there's a story here. You can get lost in these tequilas and, and really go down and pull out different flavors. So, you know, for someone who's getting into it, that wants to try, I would say, again, stick with it and, and be open to it and go, what am I pulling out of this? But, but, some common is, you know, could be some black pepper, could be mm-hmm. some sweetness there, could be an earthiness uh, or an herbalness or, or something like that. Uh, but, you know, a Blanco is going to be different than an extra Añejo or an Añejo. So those barrels are going to come come into play. And we're starting to see, you know, for the most part, you had everything, uh, I think American white oak, you know, we're starting to see French oak barrels. We're starting to see wine barrels. So all oh. of those are going to impart and, you know, come into play with it. So there, there's a lot of complex. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, is it fair to say that the, the agave flavor is hard to like, they all just have that agave flavor that I can't really describe as anything else. (laughs) Is that a fair statement? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to get, so if we're, if we're in the highlands, we're going to get a little sweeter agaves. It's a higher elevation, so it's going to get cooler. Those agaves are going to have to work harder to mature, so they're going to be more stressed. They're going to produce a little mm-hmm. more uh, sweetness to it. If we're down in the valley, we're, we're going to have a, a little a little more iron-rich or, or difference in the soil there. It's going to be a little darker. It's going to be a little more masculine, um, so you know, a little more pepper there to it. So while agave is, you know, hey, agave is agave, but terroir heavily comes into play in terms of how much okay. rain are they getting? How, how much, you know, are, are they on the side of something where water's coming through it? Or if it's kind of pooling there, all of those things come into play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, it's a, it's beautiful. It's a sweet, you know, eating cooked agave is similar, like, uh, like a sweet potato with molasses. And it's, it's like a sweet, just, I mean, you can't explain it unless you've had it, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is really, really delicious. And, you know, you add the fermentation as you go through and you smell those aromas, you know, that that's what tequila is. And so there is a sweetness component to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a fair statement that it's, you can't explain it unless you've had it. I mean, I feel that way about the the agave note that I can't put my finger on. Like, I can't break it down into, well, agave tastes like this and this and this. It's just kind yeah. of got this, this tequila characteristic to it. But it, for me, has always had the agave was associated with that pet store hamster bedding flavor. Uh, so I appreciate this we're, tasting. We're changing that. Doesn't that. We're, we're, we're changing that tonight. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I I doesn't I don't associate it with that anymore. This is definitely um, more along the lines of, like you said, kind of a combination of herbal, earthy, and a little bit of like sour sweetness, like a little bit of a candy to it. It's like herbal, earthy, and candy is like the only way I can really describe what it comes through as to me. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the barrels, the mezcal versus the tequila, all of that is absolutely having an impact on it as well. Well, I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to be open to try it. I mean, there's 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 a lot of great tequilas out there. And, you know, what I'm doing with with my social media and with the podcast is to really just give them a platform and to showcase them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, we've talked about this. Uh, there, there's brands that just have all the marketing dollars and they have all the shelf space. And then there's a lot of other brands that are just so fantastic. And and so part of my role and my passion is to to showcase those brands, to give them a voice and to let them share their story. And, and so, you know, again, all, all of these brands have been on the show. If you want to hear deep from them, their story, uh, you, you can go back the podcast. I, I don't have value in the podcast. It's my guests. They add the value because they're, they're the men and women that are there, boots on the ground, making this, selling it. Uh, so it's always an honor to, you know, share their story and, and to be a part of just, just hearing their story. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the voice that you are in the space. Uh, being that you're on social media, I'm sure you see it just as much as I do that both of our spaces can be overcome with comments that are related only to the strength of what it is that you're drinking and how much of it you're drinking and intoxication. And I appreciate that you, you're being a voice for the craft the art, the people making it, and the history and the culture behind it. That's what I try to do with whiskey, and it really, we need more people with that sort of a voice in the space by far. before yeah. You can't let it get overrun with the intoxication type of culture. 
I, I would say. Yeah, we're 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 not going to be doing much shots on my uh, my platform. <laughs> we're, we're not we're agreed not doing doing many shots again. It, this is about community. It's about bringing people mm-hmm. together, telling a story, and and really giving this the respect, just like you do for whiskey and bourbon. There's a respect that that we we owe to it because it is such a beautiful spirit. Yes, and I always I always tell people like you when you're doing a tasting, you you avoid the buzz because then you can't focus on it as much. So like that's why I always have my trusty bottle of water. I always try to eat beforehand if I'm gonna have multiple because um, it really you want to be able to emphasize the respect for the beverage that you're drinking. So I appreciate you walking me through this. I appreciate that wit or tequila doesn't taste like hamster bedding all the time. So that <laughs> that is great. <laughs> I'm going to uh, count that as a win. Yeah, that that is definitely a win. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. I'll have to send you some samples of some whiskeys to try. Uh, this has given me an idea of the types of things I can send you to kind of give you an idea of the range of whiskey. Okay. Um, for sure. But I, I appreciate you supplying those. I appreciate you walking me through this tasting. And like I said, everything that you're doing in the space, uh, where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast, see your content, all that? Yeah. So podcast at, at Agave Social Club is Instagram. I do most of my stuff on Instagram at Agave Social Club. Uh, podcast is everywhere. The Agave Social Club podcast. Uh, most people listen to it on Apple, but it's on Google, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And, and then I do have a website, theagavesocialclub.com. Uh, but again, most people reach out to me via uh, Instagram. I, I'm very active there. I, I try to reach out to any message that that someone writes to me, uh, like yourself. We, we stay pretty active, and so sometimes they can get lost. But I, I yep. do as good as I can to try to reach out to people and to help them along on the journey. But would love for people to check out the show, to check out the Instagram, and uh, to maybe learn a little more about tequila great yes guys if you're listening if you if you any part of this seemed interesting to you which i think it should if you're into tasting whiskey this should be interesting to you make sure you go check him out like his stuff rate the podcast those ratings are a huge deal people don't realize that thank you yes absolutely um and and go give him a shout check out his stuff Thank you so much, Doug, for for showing me this, for walking me through this tasting. I'm excited to get you some samples and see uh, what parallels you can draw as well. Like I mentioned, some things remind me of scotch. Some things remind me a little bit of like a rye. I'm excited to see what parallels you draw as well. Well, Chris, thank you for having me on the show and looking forward to diving deeper into whiskey and bourbon. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right, buddy. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review to help grow the show and get the word out. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. If you want to drink right along with me, make sure to join the email list by sending an email to WhiskeyNoobsPodcast at gmail.com with a subject line saying email list. You will receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time and drink right along with the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.